They're not old enough to vote or to own a gun themselves, yet they're the ones driving gun legislation? Are the lunatics running the asylum? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And I do usually talk about the biggest stories of the week. Um, This week, the story, I think, is a story that will be with us for a long time. But first, let me say happy St. Patrick's Day. I'm actually a citizen of Ireland, a dual citizen, which I announced on Twitter and I was told, we don't want you. You're not Irish. <laughs> so that dialectic about immigration is uh, is going strong uh, around the world. I mean, obviously, I think the guy was a troll for political reasons. And I got my kids Irish citizenship, too, maybe out of an abundance of caution. Maybe it was uh, a time of great fear. But when Obamacare came down... And uh, they include things like, well, they, you know, the super scary sounding death panels and uh, that kind of thing. I got a little nervous because Pope Benedict, who I think was Pope at that time, was he there's a story that his cousin uh, had Down syndrome. And when the Nazis came to power, they never saw the kid again. That's why I get nervous about uh mental health labeling. I, I don't really think that's going to happen. Now, maybe there's a one in a million chance. That's still too high for me. But I just, I don't like the classifications. I feel like my son is vulnerable to that. And uh, when the chips are down, you know, when, when you have war, which I'm not convinced we aren't moving towards, I think that a lot of the moves that are coming down from the top could play into the war idea. Uh, when you have a kind of, quote, emergency situations like that, they they sometimes round up people who they don't think can pull their weight or who might not be able to function under pressure or might be in the way. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, it sounds crazy, but you can look back at laws that came down that were on the books in World War II on the Allied side that were quite uh, what we would consider barbaric. Uh, So I get nervous about stuff like mental health screening in schools, about labeling people that way. I feel like what happened in Parkland, the Parkland shooting, uh, which I do not believe that we've gotten the, the true story behind it, but it's certainly driving a lot of agendas out there. That was on Valentine's Day. And when when a shooting like this happens... The What gets all the attention, all the focus is gun control. And, and what I was saying is gun control is an issue that will always be with us, in my opinion, because like abortion, because it's the one thing. Those are a couple of the, the very few things that are holding the second, the two party system together, because as your as your party betrays you, you would lose loyalty, except there are single issue voters. Everybody's probably, I I wouldn't be surprised if a majority of the people are really ultimately at the end of the day, whatever your hot button is, the guy who says that is, is the guy who gets your vote. So with guns and abortion, I think those are two where they're just single issues and whoever's going to determine the Supreme court justice 
whatever party that person's in, that determine their position on those issues is what determines that you will not risk losing that. So you would never vote for a third party. This issue, I think, will always be with us for that reason. Also, it's very controversial. It's very, uh, it gets us pitted against each other. It gets a lot of attention. People freak out about it. And it, it's, it provides a lot of cover for more subtle legislation that is getting locked into place little by little uh, as we march towards what I can't and what I, I honestly believe is, uh, if not, I mean, I really believe it'll be totalitarian. Maybe you, you define it differently or look at it differently, but uh, certainly a total information control state, a total surveillance state, a total information awareness state. And these that last one was a term used by the Bush administration. Total information awareness was a project they had. But what so what they're doing is they're taking uh, these opportunities as we talk about gun control and they're putting other things in place. And I noticed it first with Sandy Hook. Obama signed many executive orders, maybe two dozen executive orders, most of which, certainly the first um, batch of which, if not the majority, were about data collection and consolidation, getting information on individuals up into a federal, consolidated, concentrated, single federal database. And that drive of total uh, information collection it's Obamacare as part of that. I actually heard one of those policy guru guys way, way back when saying, we need universal health care in this country so that we can monitor people. <laughs> I was like, okay. So that's what that was about. And then now with this, with Parkland, if you look at the legislation that's coming down, uh, Stop School Violence Act, I think, is the one at the federal level, the Florida gun, the Florida legislation that passed. Uh, other proposals, I see a pattern here of or two themes emerging as the agenda now, and they actually dovetail a little bit. One is uh, redesigning schools, really looking at schools. Uh, there was an article in the journal about the George W. Bush Elementary School in Dallas and it talked about how uh, it had broad hallways that had no nooks in them and lots of big, big windows so you could surveil in and out. All the cameras faced everywhere. There was no place to hide. So you're a little kid. You want to tell a, a stupid joke to your friend. You're afraid people are going to see you or hear you. You can't duck into where a doorway used to be or any of that. You're under constant visual surveillance, and I suspect— if it hasn't happened already, it is definitely going to happen, that there will be constant audio surveillance as well because that's what that shot spotter thing is. They, it, it was developed, I thought it was developed by the CIA venture capital arm. I might be wrong about that. But it's where they're putting on streetlights, not just cameras, but also microphones. They're saying so we can hear shots fired, but it's recording conversations. So where they could just make it like a zero or one binary thing where it doesn't record unless it actually hears a shot. But that's not what they're proposing. So and the kids know this. I tell my kids, like as far as their electronic communications, don't say anything that could be misinterpreted because they will use that against you. So the kids know this and they are in constant, constant, under constant surveillance. 
their single entry points. Like these schools are basically like prisons. Like we had a caller a week or two ago who said, oh, that's the way schools should be. And when the show was over, Binkley was like, that's a prison. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is a prison. But um, they were also implementing active shooter drills at the age of, you know, starting in kindergarten, which will truly terrorize kids. I mean, terrorize them. It, it It's guaranteed to terrorize them and put them in a state of tension, whereas an alternative might be train your teachers on how to shepherd your children to safety in the unlikely event there's some big problem. So this stuff is all designed for self-monitoring, for monitoring, for mind control, for chilling people. The kids know they're under constant surveillance. I mean, I don't know what I, I'm going to ask. Binkley is my psychology expert, my producer, Binkley, who's here in the studio and helps with these great clips we get and with our tweets. How are you doing, Binkley? I'm good. How are you? Totally fine. I want to add one quick thing, and then you can tee up some tweets and I want to, after, don't let me forget, I want to ask you what you think the psychology, maybe we'll do that at the bottom of the hour, what it does to people, to kids to to grow up where they feel like they have no privacy, lots of tension. You're my psychology guy. But let me just tell you the second agenda item I think is coming out of Parkland before we get to the tweets and calls. There's mental health screening at the school level. It's uh, they're going to evaluate kids, flag them, label them. They are asking on the, at least in the Florida uh, law, they're asking help from the Fusion Center, which is a government information gathering place, and and not the Florida one, but there's they're they're everywhere, and there's one in Missouri where they there's a famous memo that came out of I think the St. Louis one that was telling people that Ron Paul bumper stickers. Anti-abortion activists, these are potential domestic terrorists and should be treated that way. So if they're looking from a mental health point of view at our kids and they're they're asking help from a fusion center that may continue, they, they, they may all have those kind of classifications. I'm sure they do. I'm sure political views uh, that they don't like are part of what they're going to categorize as wrong thinking. And then these kids, they say that they're not going to be ostracized or banished or whatever, but I think that's impossible. I think that it's designed, again, to chill your thoughts, what you say, drive people underground, um, stifle any kind of creative or original or independent thought. I really feel like this is what's happening here, and it's an attack on the children. And, and the children, funny enough, are the ones who are out there protesting, the ones who are leading the charge right now. It's... It's actually a little cynical, a little disgusting. I want to know if you guys are okay with this, if uh, if you're okay with the public schools allowing, encouraging probably, your kids to march for a controversial political issue that your tax dollars are paying for these kids to be brainwashed while you may disagree with that. I want to know what you think, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I also want... Um, Tweet at Monica Perez Show. Binkley, you got a quick tweet before we go to a break? I do. I have one from Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. <laughs> I love that one. Think about that. <laughs> Think about that name. Go. He or she tweets, no taxpayer-funded government schools have to be oh, – no, taxpayer-funded schools have to be unbiased to properly function. Yes, and that's what made me wonder if – uh, I'm going to tell you a little story about my son who goes to a public school and how I consider it proof positive that their priority priority is not to educate but to indoctrinate. That really the whole 
The whole thing is a lie. I'll tell you that after the break and get to your calls. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 69 degrees and a touch overcast outside the studio. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. We're talking about the protests uh, that the kids have been conducting uh, against guns this week. I'm going to go to Steve in Atlanta. Steve, give me what you got. Yeah, hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Well, well, once in a while I catch your show, okay? And I was just sitting in my car, you know, and turn on the uh, radio, and now you're on the uh, on the radio again. Now, um, about these kids that are protesting, okay, against guns, I think they have every right, okay, to do that. Uh, even though some of them might not be of voting, you know, age, but they still do. No kids should go to any school in this country and have to face, you know, the kind of uh, dangers that we didn't face when we went to school. I, I came to the United States about 40 years ago, straight to college, and I didn't even hear anything like that during that time. But now it seems like every week or every month, something always happens. And just imagine if your own child is in school, is in class, and somebody busts into that class and starts shooting. God forbid, and one of your kids, you know, becomes, you know, a victim of this. I understand the concept of Second Amendment, but these kids have a right, you know, to study in their classrooms without having to fear that somebody is going to come and kill them. That's a great, Steve, I love this call because you're bringing out the real concerns, the real arguments. So uh, I hate to do this. I have to cut for a break. And then when I come back, I'll answer your questions. You don't have to hold on, but I'll answer your questions after the break. 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK, or tweet at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's a man house! A man house! On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6. We're talking about uh, everything that's coming out of the Parkland shooting. I had a call before the break from Steve who brought up all the real issues that people have. And if you believe the news and uh, you're, you're as troubled as Steve and everybody else about what's happening you might think the solutions that are being offered to us are uh, are a good place to start. Now, now I want to. Steve said a lot of stuff. The caller before the break. I want to kind of um, tick off some of the things he said. One is uh, when he first came to this country forty years ago, he never heard of anything like this, and now all of a sudden it's like all the time. Now I question if this is what they call organic. I don't think it's coming out of nowhere. Every explanation that is offered from the media to the governments of what this is all about, disconnected youth, violent video games, meds, uh, all of that stuff doesn't hold water because you're not getting an increase in suicides at school. You're not getting an increase. Uh, I saw one thing that said it was male identity, white privilege being threatened, all that stuff. Then why aren't you, why, why is rape plummeting? Why are violent crimes plummeting? Murder plummeting. So, Every other crime is plummeting, and these are on the rise. And we have so many tools in place. We have double, some in some cases, double law enforcement. We've uh, Sandy Hook put school resource officers in these schools. 
uh, we there's no real reason for this to have this weird, anomalous, statistically impossible surge. So I question the official narrative. I even posted on PropagandaReportDaily.com some other cases where the official narrative was full of lies. So you don't know for sure. But even if you knew that this was all absolutely as we are told, and uh, and these things are organic and inexplicable and, and nothing that we've done so far could stop it, would you want this solution? Absolutely no privacy whatsoever, starting in kindergarten, none. These kids can't communicate with anyone without knowing they're going to be surveilled. They are being ment- mental health assessments, labeling. They're going to ask you, ask your kids a lot of personal questions. Obamacare was supposed to not allow pediatricians to ask about um, gun ownership in your house, but Sandy Hook, they took that out. And now your pediatrician can ask you about guns in your house and report on that. Do you want your kids who have shown no signs of mental defect being grilled in this way at school and having them record the answers? But worst of all, in my opinion, is active shooter drills starting in kindergarten that will terrorize your kids. The Parkland, a couple of people said that. Parkland, right around the time of the shooting, they were going to have a red drill, which was cops were going to come and fire blanks there. I wonder if that's why the deputy didn't go in. He, there, and there was a fire drill that day. Maybe there was some confusion about whether or not it was really a drill. And uh, and so what, if you're talking about that kind of thing, at, uh, I mean, you, you really are talking about terrorizing your kids. And I, for one, don't think... It's worth it. You could homeschool. At that point, I would probably homeschool my kids. If it really gets to the point where every school looks like the George W. Bush Elementary School that just opened in Dallas with no niches, no they, they don't want to have trees or anything because then you can't see in and out the windows. It's to, You are in a fishbowl. I think that that's, that would have problems with the kids. And so I wonder if this is, is, makes the problem worse and if it would even really solve the problem. Now, my producer, Binkley, here in the studio helping me with the show. Uh, if you want to tweet at Monica Perez Show, he can get you there. You want to call 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, but, Binkley, you also kind of make a um, your hobby, I would say, at least, at the very least, is psychology and propaganda and, and how people are, how we're manipulated. I find your insights interesting in that regard. What... Do you think this would solve the problem? Would you want that your kids, starting in kindergarten, exposed to active shooter drills? What's your take? I think there's going to be different levels of active shooter drills. I think the problem with that specifically is that they're getting more and more immersive. So they're going to create, you know, some studies have said it can create post-traumatic stress syndrome in the students, and it'll make them always anxious, always fearful, and they're going to be creating automatic reactions that might not even be the right thing to do when that happens. I don't – yeah, and, and for me, when stuff like this can uh, really impact kids and society in ways that I think the people who are putting these policies down study and know. They really put a lot of time and effort in testing uh, stuff like this psychologically. I think they have a better insight than we do just speculating. But is there, you know, a better way? 
Well, the underlying problem, I believe, is that these shooters are they're severely maladjusted because of their upbringing. But to fix that requires promoting a healthy family environment and a family that stays together. And they're never going to do that because their goal is to break up the family so they can manipulate the values of the kids. I do see. I mean, you can't deny it if you study at all uh, anything deeper than the surface stuff that you would learn in school that they that I actually learned it from Carol Quigley's Tragedy and Hope. The best way to change society, to change policy, to change culture is to disconnect kids from their families and their traditional values. And there are different ways to do that. Technology, um, going away to college, being drafted. These things uh, uh, can all disconnect us of uh, music they can disconnect the generations and that is how they're trying to get our grip off the bill of rights and the american founding traditions and i think uh, they they've made tremendous strides over the past two administrations i really do i got to take some calls maybe you'll have to save that tweet for if you've got one um all right let me go to john in atlanta john you're on with monica Hey, Monica. I was just listening to everything that you were saying, and it just plays into what I would like to say in regards to we haven't bothered to investigate the incompetence of the government uh, down at this at the school. The FBI failed to pick this kid up. Local program to you know catch and release for criminals let this kid off. Um, and uh, so the same government that's going to tell us we can't defend ourselves and wants to take our ability to to defend ourselves from an oppressive government is now telling us that, oh, that, you know, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Just give up your guns and, and be happy. And I agree. Uh, and I'll tell you this. I, I just uh, you can finish. But let me just say this. Uh, one one thing that is true about all of these incidents, which is why I wonder what really happened, because you do you have to do exactly what you say. You have to actually examine what happened, what went wrong. What laws there there? Were the laws bad? Were the was the execution bad? What is the real problem? And the way to find the real to really be able to analyze that, you have to get you have to get the timeline, you have to get the facts, you have to get those facts verified with documents. You can't just read uh, anonymous sources in the newspaper and think you know what really happened. Which brings me to a point that I've really I've really solidified this. I believe violent, certainly any crime that ends up in jail time, any violent crime, only violent crime should end up in jail time, should have a public trial. So if this guy had a public trial, all these details would come out and we would really be able to pinpoint what went wrong. And we're not going to get that, which makes me think they're using this episode just like the other ones for an agenda that isn't really simply promoted, prompted by what happened and how to stop it. I agree. I am, you know, I hate to be called a conspiracy theorist, but I mean, there's just too much at play behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, we too many missing pieces can't give up our can't give up our rights to defend ourselves against such uh, tyrannical uh, machinations. Yeah, I agree with it. And and that's the thing. Like you're eventually your gut check is like these things can't be uh, organic and they play too perfectly into an agenda that we've seen there for decades. And all of a sudden this thing is anomalous because other now I hate to point out the anomalies. I'm telling you, I've pointed out anomalies in stories like this before only to find the narrative changes. So I don't want to say other crimes are not going up. I actually think they're actively 
trying to get other crimes to go up. I I anticipated the Ferguson effects before it was called the Ferguson effects. When you pull out policing, when you call for kinder, gentler policing in the inner cities, what do you think you're going to get? When you take guns away from citizens who live in dangerous neighborhoods like Chicago and Baltimore, what do you think you're going to get? So they they want crime to rise because that is a very, very powerful tool to get citizens to cry out for more government. So I, I, I do, I see this as behind-the-scenes plotting for an agenda that will concentrate the the power at the top. I'm going to Christy in Canton. Hi, Christy. You're on with Monica. I just can't tell you how excited I am to hear that somebody in really considered mainstream media is catching on to this because this is usually the stuff you only hear on YouTube. Not anymore. I got banned from YouTube. <laughs> Were you? Yes. So, okay, so um, I'm sure you know who Wolfgang Halbig is. I've heard of him, but I haven't he was, vetted him personally. Like, I don't know well, if he's disinfo or real info. I'm going to say I have, go, you go. know, with whatever credibility I have. Go, he go. was a, um, you know, he was called a nut because he's the one that said nobody died at Sandy Hook. But the thing is, is that he was a school administrator. He was a Florida state trooper. And he is actually the one that uh, drew up the safety plan for Broward County in Florida. When? They called him in after Columbine. So, I mean, he's legit. I mean, so when we start listening to a lot of people who have their theories about what happened, this and that, he's going at it from the perspective of an, an administrator and a former law enforcement officer and the actual individual that they called in and said, come get a safety plan in, in line for us in case something like this happens. And I was listening to him this morning, and he said they did not follow any of that. That's so Yeah, that's the thing that that is – fishy to me now if you say if you say when you say nobody died you got to be careful about that because people get no I very you, you know we don't know for sure and so, it's well i know so but he went yeah. into the whole thing of, and he's been they, they've almost bankrupted him the government has because he's been trying to file four-year requests trying to get all this information so he's really trying to go at it the right way as opposed to somebody just sitting behind a microphone in their basement spewing stuff on youtube i'm in a studio so, <laughs> I'm sorry. That? No, I'm just. I, I'm not in a basement, but I. Um, I know you're not ca- classifying me as that. I see what you're saying. You're saying like I didn't even know you, you were on YouTube. So this doesn't. This doesn't. Um, no, I know. Mean you, but you know how anybody can be on YouTube. Yes, and yes. So, so what you're saying is there's a lot of disinfo. There's a lot. Uh, well, I. Sh- I'm saying there's a lot of disinfo on YouTube. A lot of conspiracy theories that are meant to discredit conspiracy theories. But there are people who are doing real research to try to get to the truth of this. And I think they are also getting banned from YouTube. And uh, and the ability to fact check any of these events is, I think, going away. And what the, that's why I always go back to my original point of view, which is you can never really assess. You know, you don't we don't have the tools. We're not investigative journalists. So. We can't do it. We uh, and and as a you know limited government representative democracy, we can't uh, know everything about everything in order to control the world. So you can't have a centralized. Uh, you can't have all the power centralized at the top of government. You can't. Um, what you need to do is 
Don't be swayed by these stories that you hear. Hold on to those Bill of Rights, no matter what people say. You're not going to fight the revolution with muskets like our forefathers did. You're going to fight it with the courage to defend the Bill of Rights, even in the face of atrocity propaganda. So let's sit on that for a sec, and I'll come back for more calls. 800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. 73 is the forecast high for today. Rainy. 52 the low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. Uh, And I am going to a call, 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Uh, Joe in Atlanta, you are on with Monica. Uh, hey, Monica, thanks for taking my call, as always. Thanks Listen, <laughs> everybody in the world wants to throw solutions at this uh, problem we have with these schools, except put God back in it. But that goes back that goes back 54 years ago. It's uh, We didn't get in this mess overnight. We're not going to get out of it overnight. It's just going to take a grassroots effort from the citizens of this country. Libs declared war on the conservative citizen movement. Uh, people need to ask themselves, can, they, can the schools guarantee the safety of their children? We need to ask ourselves that, and obviously not. A lot of money it would take to fortify the schools and secure them. We need school choice. We need it now, and we need to get in a ditch and fight the liberals. I, That's all uh, i got to say. <laughs> I'm going to take your call. Thanks for calling. I, um, I, yeah, I'm a libertarian, so... I don't have that same position. I, I actually also think that I, I have uh, documentary evidence that um, the the religious movement was co-opted into the conservative movement when Irving Kristol, a former Trotskyite, decided to make Republicans big government, the, a big government party. I have a book called uh, Neoconservatism, the Autobiography of an Idea, and it uh, so I don't agree with all of that, but I would say this, and I bet you'd agree with that. I, I'm ready to abolish public schools altogether. Yeah, 100 hours to read. You can teach your kids to do that. And that's it. Have kids safe uh, electronic devices with all the knowledge you want, and you can pick it. Maybe that's controversial, but we have so much more to talk about. Controversial and not. 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that... I don't even know about, you know. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. What kind of education do we want for our children? We have to start with high quality daycare because the child's brain starts to form from the moment he or she arrives on this earth. And we can't wait till they're three to decide they're worth our time and our attention. And more importantly, parents can't be spending time trying to make a living and worrying about whether their child is going to be able to start life on the right foot. That's the state's responsibility, both in education and economic development, and we can afford to do better. But we also have to expand pre-K. Starting at four years old is not early enough. That was, this is Monica Perez, uh, your libertarian voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6. That was Stacey Abrams, who's running as uh, in the primary for the Democratic candidate uh, for Georgia governor, that election's in May. She thinks four years old is too late for the state, whose responsibility it is to raise your kids, 
gets its hands on their minds. Kids past his prime at four. That's Binkley. He's my producer. He's here to <laughs> chime in. He's a floating voice. <laughs> um, that's past the prime. Yes. Yes. Past the prime for um, that's too late. The kids are lost by the time they're four. If their parents are the only ones they've been exposed to until then. So when I say the kids are being brainwashed, it's clear that they're this is intentional. They were whatever indoctrination. I was going to tell you before how I know indoctrination is the priority. I have a son with Down syndrome. He uh, he struggles to learn. It's but he he struggles successfully a lot of times. He really tries to learn, and when he finally is able to understand a narrative, historical narrative, or from reading. It's great. He's very proud, and we work with him hard to be able to put things together in order like that. He came home. Oh, and the other day, just so you get an idea, he's great at um, – he can read well, and, and he and he's, gets there with history. Math is not his strong point. And the other day we were going to a meeting, and I gave him a math test on the way out the door. One question, 9 plus 6, and he got it wrong. And he he is 15 years old, so he should really know how to do that. But but he does understand narratives. And he came home the other day, and he was saying, we protested. We want tomorrow today. People should lose their guns. Nobody should have a gun. I asked him what he would do if somebody was coming at him, whatever. He said, I would fight him with a sword. And I said, but what if the guy had a gun? He said, I, I'll get a very long sword. <laughs> and I was like, that's not going to work, buddy. And I said, look, I don't care if you get the propaganda and history, whatever, but this is, I won't stand for this. This is a policy issue. You should not, you do not have the capacity to weigh on your own. So you're just being indoctrinated, brainwashed, and it upset him. It really upsets him because he struggles so much to learn. I didn't want to undermine his faith in his teachers because he has to give himself over to them completely when he struggles to learn. But it proved to me that he can be taught. And if they, what they were trying to do is teach him how to add, he would know how to add. But they're not. Education is not their priority. Indoctrination is their priority. And with this kid who's just raw and I always think of him like camera paper. You know, he just makes an impression of what he's seeing, and he brings that home to me. And uh, it's very revealing. <laughs> it's really actually quite an education. But uh, I don't want to slow things down. I really want to get to a couple of calls, and I want to give you more evidence. I have a couple more clips of how I think this brainwashing is intentional, and uh, and it's coming down from the top both over time and in this situation. I am... Uh, James, then Kenneth first. I'm going to go to James. James, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. How you doing? I'll give you a quote. It says, give me four years to teach the children, and the seed that I have sown shall never be uprooted. That's Vladimir Lenin. Wow. So let me tell you something. This is this is total indoctrination. Yes, it is. It's coming down. You, you, do you know why? The people that always, the rich, the Bloombergs and the Feinsteins want you, your guns taken away. Have you ever thought about that? Why is always people that are so-called rich millionaires, billionaires with bank control of banking systems, political power, want you not to have a gun? Is that, I have is, my is theories, but I want you? yours. Well, 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 the theory is they don't want you to have any way to, to fight them. 
They want yeah. total control. Yeah, that's why so I said they only want the resistance-grade weaponry. You come at them with a handgun, they can mow you down. You come at them with a long gun, they might have to duck. And so they want to well, get those all, long guns. They want to get the armor away, body armor. Well, it's all based in communism. Another quote from Lenin is, one man with, one man with a gun can control a hundred without one. So think about that. One yeah, person that's with heavy. a gun can control one person. One person with a gun can control a hundred people without one. I mean, they want you to be defenseless. They want to indoctrinate your children to sow these seeds of the Second Amendment. You got kids saying that uh, maybe the Second Amendment should be uh, taken away. When Trump won the election, you had people saying, well, maybe all people shouldn't be able to vote. They want to sow these seeds. They want to indoctrinate. The, they want to start off young. Yes, they want to start off at four years old with the indoctrination. So once they catch them at that age, the seeds that they sow, I mean, like you said, they want to take this. They want the state to raise the kid. The parent has no say so. And it's really getting very dangerous to even let your kids go to a public school. Or so controlled by the I, I agree. Like, I think let's abolish the public schools. They're unsafe. <laughs> you know? How about well, I mean, I mean, unsafe for the mind. But, James, what do you yeah, think uh, is the answer? Well, the answer is to get rid of the Department of Education, I think. I think I think um, that'd be a good start. I think that I think you also should should, uh, you know, every parent should teach their own kids. I mean, the school, the, the teachers union, they're all dangerous. They all they you know, they um, it's, it's all about control. Yeah, I have one one quick question before I have to go on to the next call. But um, what do you think about the fact that these mass shootings are the only violent crime on the rise? And they happen to play into this agenda that you identify correctly, in my opinion, that's not at all about protecting our children, but more about being uh, dominated. Well, it's not about protecting your children, because answer this question, Monica. Why in the inner city, in Chicago, Philadelphia, Detroit, you don't have these mass shootings? You know why? They have metal detectors. And they also have police officers in the inner cities of Chicago, in the inner cities of Detroit. You're not going to have a mass shooting in those schools. Because they, you know why they know that they have a gun problem in the, in the in the in the surrounding areas and gang problems, so they put metal detectors and the police is only in these so-called middle class, upper middle class, suburban schools that these things happen. And then, like the NRA lady said, white crime mothers make good TV, so then they can see this and they say, "Oh well, we need to take away the guns." That is because true. We- They're very sympathetic. This these they as a matter of fact, the there are panels in Florida. They created this like. Uh, I forget what it was called, but they have like five different representatives on or three people from five different categories, the judiciary, law enforcement, the school, social services and victims. So they have these bodies that are going to recommend policy and 20 percent of it is made up of victims. I mean, that's obviously designed to be, you know, it's not 20 percent of it isn't made up of um, people who defend rights, that's not it. It's the government and the victims for the emotion factor, in my opinion. I got to move on, well, James. I love it when you call. Thank you. Please call again okay. soon. And uh, I'm going to go to um, Kenneth. Kenneth, you are on with Monica. Kenneth and Smyrna. Uh-oh. I think I might have lost Kenneth. I'm going to at least put him on hold. Maybe he'll come back. But there are a couple more clips I wanted to play to prove my point. I want to play... This is Eric Holder in 1995. Eric Holder, former attorney general. This is long before he was attorney general, but it was 1995. And he was laying out, this guy was always very influential behind the scenes. He's laying out the plan for gun control with respect to our kids. Let's hear clip one. 
I've also asked the school board to make a part of every day some kind of anti-violence, anti-gun message. Every day, every school, at every level. One thing that I think is clear with young people and with adults as well is that we just have to be repetitive about this. It's not enough to simply have a, a catchy ad on a Monday and then only do it every Monday. We need to do this every day of the week and just really brainwash people into thinking about guns in a vastly different way. So his intention is to brainwash them, and he's telling you the techniques you have to use. He's like, I'm not just saying this. I'm telling you how to do it. And hopefully we get to some of <clears throat> Binkley's clips, one of excuse me one of his specialties is finding uh clips that trigger me about how people are brainwashed how the propaganda works but i want to play one more clip that i had flagged day one so parkland happened the next day with i think it was 23 hours after the event something like that it was within 24 hours they had a press conference sheriff israel was there the governor was there the superintendent of schools was there and he said something that I flagged right then and there. I asked uh, Binkley here to pull that clip right then and there. I said, this guy is launching the theme. He's signaling the theme that will emerge from Parkland. He's doing it right now. And I identified that, and then he proceeded to do it. So let's hear what he said. This is clip three. I will tell you that um, students have been reaching out to me, uh, reaching out to um, staff, probably board members and others, um, saying that now, now is the time for this country to have a real conversation on sensible gun control laws in this country. So our students are asking for that conversation. And I hope we can get it done in this generation, but if we don't, they will. So you, that's what he said immediately. And I knew that he was... This was something new. I hadn't heard it before, and I knew it wouldn't go nowhere. It's an expression called uh, Chekhov's gun. Something's out there. It's going to be used later in the story. That's why I'm suspicious of these narratives. And then here you have the student protests. It's all about uh, the schools and the kids, and we want tomorrow now. It's very, I, I think this is <clears throat> highly controlled we're going to give you more clips, very interesting conversation, and we have a special guest coming at 5 o'clock. And if you know this show, you know I almost never have guests, but when I do, it's always a good one. So I'll tell you about that after the break, 800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. This will not stand, you know? This aggression will not stand, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. This is Monica Perez. Uh, we are talking about what's the policy agenda of the Parkland shooting. 800 WSB Talk. Uh, variable clouds and sun tomorrow, high of 73. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And I am going to get to some calls. Uh, I'm going to AT. AT, uh, you are on with Monica. Hi. Hey, Monica. This is uh, AT Alien. Oh, hey, bro. You're a favorite tweep. Yeah, well, I'm on Gab now. I'm uh, hot on the trails of QAnon. Uh, All right, we can't get into that. We don't have time. Okay, I got you. Well, here's my question. I'll take the answer off air. Uh, I really just wanted to get your opinion on one fact we can all agree on. When JFK was shot, he was taken to Parkland, okay? And I just Googled, who is Marjorie Stoneman Douglas? And it specifically says she's a staunch defender of the swamp. 
or she was. So <laughs> yes. what's your take on that? Thank Very you. interesting. Thank you so much. Uh, I I actually have a list that I'm going to publish when it gets robust enough of people whose names are like representative of of what they are. Like my one of my favorites is Shepard Smith. He shepherds the sheep, perhaps one yeah. might say, <laughs> you know, or Trump trumped the establishment, you know, funny <laughs> things like that. So um, that the Parkland thing is one. And what was the one he just said? The part, the Parkland hospital is one, but that it's, um, oh, forget it. He said about JFK. Yeah. Anyway, I totally um, lost my train of thought because of that I have so many of them and I wanted to write it down on my list. And as soon as I want to remember something, I immediately forget it. But the yes, I see sometimes names and symbols like Scott Peterson was the deputy who didn't go in. And that's the name of someone who was already widely hated. Yeah. So if you really go down the rabbit hole and you start thinking even sometimes occult references come up when numbers are weird, things happen in a certain way, there's predictive programming where you can see um, events coming from TV shows before they happen. The date of the march was on – it was on March 14th, which is the anniversary of Marx's death. Yeah, but there can always be an anniversary. Like, those communists are great for signifying something on any given day. But, uh, yes, if you really went down the rabbit hole, I think that you can find symbolism and symbology. Uh, Back after the break, 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. You maniac! You blow it up! On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. These students have studied the Constitution, they've studied civics, they've studied law, and when you listen to them, you find out that they've learned something. We know that people who are 18 uh, can serve in the Army. What we're now learning is that people who are 18, who've studied, done their homework in high school, are able to say what needs to be done legally in America. They're able to function as citizens. They're speaking out as ideal citizens. They're not afraid. They've been uh, they've been on the other side of the AR-15s. So, this is Monica Perez. Binkley, my producer, is here. Uh, who is that, Binkley? That's George Lakoff. He is a well-known cognitive linguist who is a intellectual hero to progressives. His words are like gospel. To the most powerful progressives. I feel like, and you've exposed me, you've exposed him to me, (laughs) um, that he is carrying on the tradition of kind of Saul Alinsky and Edward Bernays and maybe a little bit with David Axelrod because that, so previously I was talking about how my son with Down syndrome comes home spouting these policy agenda things. This guy Lakoff is acting like we should listen to the pure innocence of these kids who are only one degree removed from their angelic origins in heaven. But you've also played many clips to me. This guy's specialty actually is crafting the soundbite, right? The talking point. The specific language. So he is telling them that. Mm -hmm. He is telling them what to do. And then they are going. So and he's telling us to listen to them. But he but they are just mouthpieces 
he's got his hand up their backs like, yes. to control their mouths. Absolutely. And then I wonder if this is an okay time to – Rachel, do you happen to have clip two? It's kind of long. These students have studied the Constitution. No, no, no. Stop, stop, stop. Sorry. That, uh, there is another clip where – we don't need to play. It's kind of long – where uh, there's an ACLU student training video oh, yeah. where the guy says, uh, he tells the kids, look, we are here to tell you that you do not need to obey laws or follow rules. That That is what we're here to tell you. He, like, reiterates that. Yeah. So He says, let me make this clear. We're not telling you not to break the rules. Ah, okay, yes, there you go. Yes, it was pretty shocking to me what this guy had to say. So these people are being absolutely brainwashed. I mean, there's no question about it. Right. I And we heard, if you haven't caught the show, go in a couple of days. We'll post it on PropagandaReportDaily.com. You can get all of our podcasts that we do together, uh, all of these WSB shows commercial-free. And we played a lot of clips that point this out, that this is an intentional brainwashing exercise to the kids. I even might say some of these events are allowed to happen or spun in a certain way to support an agenda and not the other way around. But I want to point out right before the break, I had a call from ATLian, a favorite tweet of ours, Twitter follower, who said, I don't know why, I just drew a blank, but he was saying how Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, that high school was named after her because uh, she was celebrated as not allowing them to drain the swamp in Florida. That's literally what she's there for, to keep from draining the swamp, which is funny. Uh, and Parkland Hospital, where JFK died, if you, like most Americans, I think now, realize that JFK was not killed by a lone nut gunman with no higher agenda, then it's a coup because it was covered up by the government, even if the government didn't have to do with it. That happened in Parkland. And I would say that that was one of, if not the most pivotal transformations of this country from the old way to the new way. And... Uh, and certainly the end of the free press, if we ever had one. And I think that this also marks the end of the free press. Maybe that's the connection that if you want to draw something from that coincidence, that YouTube right after this, YouTube became no longer free for all where you could pick and choose what you believe, but it's highly censored. Now, as a matter of fact, I got censored from YouTube after this. And uh, it's because I criticized Sheriff Israel for calling for national policy when um, – uh, including an end to due process for people who are accused of mental illness. It's really shocking. Anyway, I want to get some calls. Did I forget anything, Binkley? We need a tweet, maybe? Do you have a tweet handy? Yeah, I got a tweet for you. All right, bring it. Let me see. This tweet is from Old454. He says, I said it before, Americans don't have the stomach for revolution or real resistance. Frogs in a pot. Ah, the boiling frogs. You put a frog in a pot, he likes the water, and you slowly turn up the heat, and pretty soon he's dead. That's not good. <laughs> That's what we are. We're boiling frogs. Uh, I don't know, you know. I mean, I there's um, – gosh, is it Dostoevsky opens maybe the death of Ivan Ilyich, maybe, with the line, man can get used – man is a creature who can get used to anything – that may be the very best way to describe him. Yeah. That's terrifying. Right. So I haven't gotten used to it yet. I feel like I still want to defend my rights. But whatever. I do get I 
do get frustrated. But that's we got to keep going. I mean, the fact that they bombard us with the propaganda night and day means to me only one thing. They must have us thinking right. If they can't have us thinking right, they don't have control. So I think just thinking for yourself is enough to uh, keep this at bay or at least kick the can. Yeah. All right, so let's see what you people are thinking. 800-WSB-TALK or um, at Monica Perez Show. I want to go to Matt in Stone Mountain. Hi, Matt. You're on with Monica. Hey. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? Um, I'm kind of – I got a problem with all this gun stuff and everything. I'm a uh, combat veteran who's not allowed to own weapons anymore. Why? And – Oh, you don't have to tell me, personal. Do what now? I thought you wanted me to ask you why, but don't. Keep talking. I want to hear what you have to say. Well, I don't care. They they say I've been thrown into a mental institution or, you know, some junk like that. But it it is the fact that I love owning guns, and I do buy them. And I go out and spend a lot more money than I'm supposed to buy them on just to get my hands on them. So I'm buying them anyway, but I'm not allowed to own them. But I'm also not a freak job. You know, if I'm going after somebody, I'm going after the federal government. I'm not going after kids in a school. Dude, you can't come on the show. Like You're making me think that you're trying to um, get me in trouble no, here. Not, you can't say trying, something. I'm, no, I'm not trying to be that way. What I'm trying to say is Let's put this I'm in perspective. Dement- they, I'm, I'm yeah. not a demented society because I got my constitutional amendment on a firearm. I mean, I'm not that kind of way. So, uh, what's, uh, what I'm trying to say is, so that you're not. So, did you get a trial? Could you appeal the judgment that you were not allowed to use guns? Could no. The, the FBI told me I'm just not allowed to own firearms. So. And could you appeal that? Is there a process? Well, I think after, I think after you've been thrown into a psychiatric. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking VA, about. By yes. the VA, involuntarily yeah. after right. five years, you can't appeal that. I know what you're talking about. This is what that is. You cannot pass a federal background check if you've been thrown into a mental institution involuntarily, which is why I criticize Sheriff Israel, because what he was saying is he wants the government to be able to uh, put people involuntarily in um, mental health incarceration without anyone who knows them saying that they're a threat to themselves or others, which means that the government can unilaterally do that to you. And what he didn't say is once they do that, you fail the background check. So he wasn't saying right. that. That's what kind of bothered me because that doesn't make any sense because. Because you I had no control and you have no appeal. Forty-seven in, yeah. com- in, a, in a confidential information. Next thing you know, they they locked me up in the psych ward. Here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say, Matt, is that if part of the Second Amendment is or what the reason I consider all of the Bill of Rights our compromise position against having given all this power to the government under the Constitution, which was much greater power than under the Articles of Confederation. 
So you take the Bill of Rights, and if you look at each and every one of them, it's not the rights that you have as a human being. It's the rights that you are insured so that the government does not have that, – that you can limit the government. It cannot limit itself. So – implicit in that, in my opinion, is that the Second Amendment is there so that the government isn't the one with the guns. You're the one with the guns and you can protect yourself against the government. Who is going to do that? The many, many people who are trained in that kind of thing, from combat veterans to police officers. Those are the people who, in the end, the government is going to want to identify, maybe even say it's a uh, de facto, if you had any kind of post-traumatic stress or you were in combat, you cannot be trusted to have weapons at home. But in reality, those are the very people who would be able to help you in a situation of a pure tyranny. So thank you for calling, Matt. Uh, that's very personal information that's helpful to hear. And uh, you shouldn't tell people that. You get the guns anyway. Oh, all right. I'm going to Tony. This is Monica. How are you, Tony? Hey, Monica. How are you doing? Good. What's happening? Um, first off, I would like to say that you have the best uh, radio show or a best show, period. Uh, hands down over TV or whatever. You're the only show that I go out my way to uh, listen to. Fantastic. So, um... You made my day. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I just wanted to say that um, personally, I don't even think that um, they're trying to uh, make a solution or get to a solution with the gun grab. I just really think that it's a way for uh, them to increase the surveillance state, like uh, through social media and stuff like that. And so that's just my belief on it. Totally. Uh, there is no solution yeah. to it. That's that's what I believe. I think it's even one one level. I think this one uh, brings it one level deeper, which is that. The surveillance state, yes, they're redoing the schools so that no one has any privacy at any time. And after Sandy Hook, Obama came down with a bunch of executive orders that was all about information collection and concentration. It, it, we used to have boundaries between state and federal. So it's why your driver's license is not the same as your Social Security number. Uh, but that that stuff is breaking down with Sandy Hook. This takes it to the next level, though, where... This mental health assessment stuff at the school level, even for people, it doesn't look to me like you have to actually display uh, aberrations, that they're just going through screenings, this kind of thing, and that electronics can be surveilled and stuff, makes you control your thoughts. So it's not just surveillance. I think this is taking it to the next level where where you there's no place for you connect, for you to express these thoughts. Someone's going to try to get in your head. You know, a psychiatrist or whatever is going to try to get in your head. You you're not even safe in your own head. You know, a 6-year-old as a parent, you cannot let your 6-year-old think something that's going to come out in an evaluation that could be misconstrued or whatever. So everybody you can't even communicate with your own kids, they can't even think their own thoughts. I think it's even deeper than that. Love the call, Tony, of course. <laughs> Thank you. 800-WSB-TALK. At Monica Press Show is uh, my Twitter handle. But let me tell you, at the top of the hour, I have Jerry Henry from Georgia Carey on to give me some larger insight into the gun control debate and what we need to worry about in the here and now and going forward. But I have time for a couple more calls after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Well, no one's going to top that. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 
the studio. Skies are overcast. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. <clears throat> After the next break, I am going to have Jerry Henry, the executive director of Georgia Carry on. I know people like to say the NRA does not represent Americans. It's uh, a representative of the gun lobby. Well, Jerry Henry represents Georgians, Georgian gun owners, and uh I don't think he's beholden to anybody, and I want to know what he thinks, why he does what he does, and what he thinks we should be watching out for now and in the future. So stay in, stay on after the break. He's coming on the next hour. Uh, he, I hope he agrees to take some calls. If you uh, want to talk to him, 800-WSB-TALK. You could tweet at him through me, at Monica Perez Show. And I just uh, maybe have one minute for a quick call. Joseph in Atlanta, uh, I'll give you one minute. Say what you got to say. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. And listen, I'm, I, I smile every time I hear you on the radio. You're fighting for rights. You're you're taking a stand against what we're seeing as, you know, a socialist move toward our government. And I just want to let you know, I'm a concealed carry weapon owner. I also am a Christian. I look at, you know, when the thing happened in the schools, I said, you know, it's not that hard of a fix. You put it in the budget, hire a couple guys, let them have a command center. Keep the doors locked, single entrance point. Uh, do, a, do a check when you go in in the mornings. Any door that opens, the guys on the command center can see, have access. A room can push a button. They could be anywhere within 30 seconds within the school. So I was thinking about that, and I was also just letting you know that there are people that continue to believe in the future of this country and the precious rights that our forefathers fought and died for. I'm with you there. I, I, I think they're doing a lot of that stuff with the schools. But my concern is that what we're we're bringing martial law to every institution, starting when the kids are little kids. I would rather completely end public schools. You can bring one out of your community if you want to. But the Department of Education, James was right. Get rid of that. Cannot wait. Thank you for the call. Cannot wait to talk to Jerry Henry right after the break. You can call 800-WSB-TALK or tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Saturday is from 3 to 6, so we are well into this show. We've been talking about the Parkland shooting and the many agenda items that are served by mass shooting events. And uh, not least of which, of course, always is gun control, which has a lot of, um, I think it's used not only, I, I think we had a caller earlier, James, who said they want the guns because they want control. I, I think that's for sure true, and I also think they use this issue to really divide us intensely. It's a very emotional issue. So we've talked a lot about that. I've taken some calls, but now if you listen to my show, you know I almost never have guests. I only have a guest if I have a serious local issue that I think uh, a local person can help illuminate uh, the nuances of or give us some information. So today I have on the show Jerry Henry, the executive director of Georgia Carry. Uh, Jerry, hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Hi, Jerry. Um, hi. So I want to thank, 
Thank you for having me on. I think it's it's a real honor for me to be uh, selected by you to be on your program because I know you don't have guests on, and I just hope I can do a decent enough job that you will have another guest on in the future. <laughs> I'm sure you're just what I'm looking for because I'm interested uh, in your perspective as someone who immerses himself, spends really some of your life's work on this issue without some of the controversy that the national players have. Plus you have a perspective that's more relevant to our listeners here in Georgia. So can you tell us a little bit about your organization and your role in it? Well, uh, Georgia Carey is uh, about 10 years old. We started off with six people and uh, went upwards of about uh, 8,000 people. Um, we're it's twenty dollars a year. We say it's the best twenty dollars a year you can spend for your gun rights. We started off in uh, in about two thousand six. Our uh, we became a an official organization in two thousand seven, and um, we at the time we started off. And a lot of people find this hard to believe, but when we started off, we sat down and looked at at all of the gun laws throughout all the states in the United States. Most people think that Georgia wasn't in too bad a shape, but they're also, uh, they're also surprised to find out that we were about number 43 or 44 worst state in the union for gun rights. But really? That is shocking. Yes, ma'am. Well, we had what was called a public gathering that was uh, put into law back with the Jim Crow laws uh, in 1870. That said, you could not, uh, you cannot carry to or while at a public gathering, which consists of, but is not limited to, churches, bars, sporting events, political rallies, and government buildings. So you couldn't carry if you were headed to church, you couldn't even carry a gun to church. It was against law for you to carry to or while at. So uh, we had more places off limits as a result than even California and uh, some of the more liberal states. Wow, and nobody we, noticed. Uh, well, people noticed, but I don't know whether anybody cared or not. Yeah. We just when what happened was uh, uh, a guy who was a policeman who had been a policeman for 14 years um, and gave up being a policeman to become a lawyer uh, and have a child. His wife wanted him to to not be a policeman because she thought it was too dangerous for him, and uh, so he promised he would give up his badge when the, his child was born. And then when he did, he started looking at where he couldn't carry because he had always carried as a lawman because they're exempt. They can basically carry anywhere they want to. And he realized how bad it was, and he got on to a, a gun forum with several like-minded people, and we said we needed to change this. In fact, uh, talking about we not only had the public gathering law, but also until July the 1st of 2008, it was a felony for you to carry a firearm within a reasonable distance of a bus stop. Well, that's everywhere. You tell me what a reasonable distance is. And these were some of the things that we, we had. The laws were vague. They're still scattered out throughout the, the code sections. Uh, most of them are in one section, but they're still scattered out, and we find them from time to time, and we go back and try to get them uh, well, peeled or, or I think people don't, don't necessarily understand what an impact this can have. One of my favorite clips uh, is Susanna Gratia Hupp. Are you familiar with when she, mm-hmm. you know, she is, she I was, her. Oh, you know, I her know personally. Her. Yes. Oh, I'm a she huge a fan. She was one of our speakers down here. Oh. Uh, and we may have her back sometime. She is a lady that, 
Uh, you know, I'm originally from Texas, and she's uh, she's actually from Colorado, but was raised in Texas. She was born in Colorado. And when we met and started talking on the phone, we just we just became instant friends, and that's kind of the way she is. You well, if she, she ever comes back, a warm person. Let me know, and I'll promote it. You know, I'll promote it on I'll the show. It. I'll do it. I'll but do I want to tell people so they know who. Person who she is, is that she, both of her parents were killed in front of her in the Luby's massacre in Texas in the nineties. And she had a gun, but she was not allowed because of one of these laws to carry that gun. And as she sat there watching her parents die, she realized it was a legislator. It was direct results of this legislation. And then she went to Congress and made such a fantastic speech and Chuck Schumer, boy, I, anytime anyone says Chuck Schumer, go look at his face, giving her a drop dead look as she says, you're the problem, buddy. And she was right, young. Right. It was so yeah, she, impressive. Yeah, actually, so. actually, what she said was that the Second Amendment was not to protect you from us guys out here. It's to protect us guys up here from you. Yeah, and she wasn't. Her really parents. Yeah. Yeah, she. I think she was 25 or. Oh, or she was so, so young. Happened. She was very young, and then she went on to become. Uh, a legislator in Texas and became the driving force for getting the control laws in Texas to where you could carry into the location that you could carry in. Yeah, I uh, love her. Did. Every every year on the anniversary yeah. of the Luby's massacre, I publish mm-hmm. on my blog and promote her that fantastic, like just, just a five-minute clip. I just did right. it recently. Yeah. It was just recently. So anyone wants to go to propagandareportdaily.com to see that clip. It was just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Let me ask you, what are you afraid of? Like right now, I see all these, um, there's a lot of rallying for gun legislation on a national level and all that kind of stuff. What would you say is the thing that you're most worried about as far as changes in in the law right now? Well, you you asked me what I was afraid of. I was getting ready to tell you nothing. I got a gun, but. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But what if they. (laughs) I'm I'm concerned about a couple of things. Um, uh, One of them is the, uh, and the the NRA has just come out in in, uh, favor of it, and that's the gun violence uh, restraining orders where, like you were talking about, uh, Israel, uh, Sheriff Israel down there wants to be able to just go get somebody's gun and uh, have a or have a brother call or somebody in the family call and say this guy's dangerous, so they go arrest him, take the guns and and put him in the in a mental institution to because somebody said he was he was crazy. I don't like those at all because one of the things that we fight for not only gun rights but we also fight due process. There's a lot of of laws that come through the uh, general assembly here, uh, especially with domestic violence and uh, things of that nature and any kind of mental health issues that come through that try to take away your your due process. That's actually, Jerry, that's my hot button as well, is that uh, the due due process, they can get the Second Amendment away if they can take the Fifth Amendment away first. That's correct. You're exactly right. And and some of the bills that that we've seen pass, or, or not pass, but brought up, some of the bills we've fought, in theory, we're we're not against them. We're not against throwing somebody in jail for domestic violence. I mean, we're not against. There's nothing, in my opinion, there might be one, one thing that'd be a child beater or something. But there's one of the worst things in the world, as far as I'm concerned, is a, a man who wants to beat his wife or his girlfriend. That's, you know, I was raised by by a father who's who <laughs> drilled it in me. Under no circumstances do you ever hit a woman or a girl. Yeah, it's cowardly. A female, you do not hit them. 
And I, I can remember when I was a kid saying, well, what if she hits me first? <laughs> no, you, you no, no, hit no, her no. Back. She is not to be hit. And that's matter of fact, when O.J. Simpson was arrested, I, somebody asked me what I thought. And I said, he never knew my daddy or he'd know not to do that. Yeah, uh, it was. It's just like I said, the laws were not against. But when you start trying to do away with due process, we get really upset about that. Well, and yeah. We fight as much. We fight almost as much due process as we do gun laws. That's great to hear. Yeah. I did not realize that, cool. and that is people don't focus on that as much. And I actually thought when I was doing this show, I was like, I oh, hope Jerry gets it that when I talk about due process, I I don't mean that the Second Amendment isn't the most important amendment, but without due process, you got none of them. You got none of the amendments well, because they can. The, if it's an anonymous tip. And there's no um, adjudication right. process. Right. The cops can do it to you themselves, and no one would know. That's correct. And well, you know, same thing with the no uh, no fly list. You know, a couple of years ago or a year or so ago, that was real popular. If you're on a no fly list, you should not be able to buy a sign. I was on and a no fly no. list because I had the same name as some drug dealer someplace. I used to miss mm-hmm. my planes. They weren't even allowed to tell me I was on it. Somebody secretly whispered to me, "I don't think you're this lady. If you got a middle name or something." figure it out and i did and uh and i mm-hmm. you know put my full name on there and i didn't have any problems i gotta take a quick break jerry uh you can hang sure. on i hope oh yes I'll hang on for duration all right i want to uh pick your brain this is monica okay. perez i may even um open it up to calls but let's i'll feel you out about that after the break monica perez wow that was intense on news 95.5 at am 750 wsb of 73, tomorrow's high, also 73. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air, and I have a weekend prize pack for you. A family four-pack of tickets to an Atlanta Gladiators home game at Infinite Energy Arena and a four-pack of tickets to the Spring Atlanta Home Show, March 23rd to the 25th at the Gob- Cobb Galleria Center. First to call 404-741-0750 gets that. And uh, right now uh, I have a maybe once a year... I have, on average, a guest. I have a guest, Jerry Henry, the executive director of Georgia Carry. We only have a short little segment here, Jerry. Um, But I just wanted to touch bases with you. If you can give people something to think about over the next break, what is the – you were saying before the break that the restraining order was one of your hot buttons. And I I noticed that Oregon passed a law. I don't know if you know that a a law passed in Oregon – the past week or two that said it banned people convicted of stalking and domestic violence or under restraining orders right. from buying or owning firearms and ammunition. Is that the kind of thing you're, you're talking about? Well, that plus the one that they did in Florida, they just passed one in Florida that says that the, uh, the law can basically, a law officer can basically uh, take your firearm, uh, your guns away as well. Uh, With, if somebody reports like we were talking about before, if the but neighbor the, or. But it can be anonymous, member, right? Yes. Yes. So in my mind, uh, no, an anonymous report, if you're going to give the authority and there's no way, no recourse, no way to defend yourself, right. you, you can't prevent that from being abused. It will no. be abused. It will be abused. And, and it bothers me because half the people I know think I'm crazy. I mean, <laughs> all of the, hey, man. Well, all of the, all you of the, be, the gun, all it, of the gun uh, prohibitionists think I'm crazy. That's, so why, wouldn't yeah. they, why wouldn't they do that, you know? 
That's actually my problem, Jerry, with with a lot of these things that happens in Florida. After this break, um, I got to take a quick break. But after this break, I want to talk a little bit more about that Florida law, because a lot of it's about mental health screening and all these kind of things. And to me, uh, they often qualify political viewpoints that are are outside um, the kind of politically correct viewpoint as as crazy. So let's talk a little bit about that after the break. Hopefully, Jerry will uh, take some calls, 800-WSB-TALK. Uh, or would be more than happy to. That would be great. Or we can tweet at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. Another part of the conservative moral worldview is adults over children. And maybe that explains why Republicans don't really care about a bunch of kids getting killed in in mass shootings. This is Monica Perez. That was Gil Duran. He used to be communications director for Dianne Feinstein. I have another clip of him saying uh, no amount of carnage will cause Republicans to (laughs) act. Mass murder isn't a bug of Republican gun policy. It's the main feature. (laughs) So I have on... uh, uh, with a couple of people, my producer Binkley here um, helps me with this stuff. He pulls these clips. Uh, we have gotten a lot of um, this kind of propaganda recently. I also have, as a special guest on the air on the line, um, Jerry Henry, the executive director of Georgia Carry, a gun rights organization here in Georgia. And we were just talking about before the break how anonymous reporting and and then um, that classifying you as a mental health risk and that in itself being enough to get you to take your guns away is really, that means there's no due process at all. And and right. s- some people think that it's just a, if you if your mind is wrong on gun control, that just makes you crazy. I mean, that would warrant That's the correct. anonymous tip, right? That's correct. Exactly. I mean, that if, all you have to do is watch some of the social media, and that's what people say on there. You know, so you know that if they can figure out where you live, uh, and I don't hide where I live, so uh, what's going to keep them from coming after me? Yeah, and that quote, that clip that we just heard, that guy was saying, and this is just like so crazy, that that Republicans don't care if children get shot. I mean, that I, I'm, yeah. I don't even want to say it out of my mouth because it's so provocative and horrible, but that's what these people are spouting. And it portrays anyone who doesn't think like them as being de facto uh, mentally deranged. And since there's no due process, how do you defend yourself? That's right. And and you put yourself at their mercy because the the decision and the definition of mentally ill belongs to the government. Totally subjective. Yeah, not some trained person who has spent an awful lot of time trying to learn how to really – uh, determine who does have mental problems and who doesn't have mental problems. It's some judge that says, well, he's got a gun. I don't want him. Or, he drives cars fast. I don't want him. Anybody's crazy if they drive cars fast nowadays. So, you know, it, it's just open to too many things for that to, for and, us to allow that to happen. And actually, even if you had a trained specialist in determining it, in my observation, if there, if, 
if the government is employing that person, the person the government will turn to when they need an expert is the one that's going to promote the agenda the you're, government wants to promote, right. which is they have all the guns. Nobody's talking about that's taking right. any of these guns away from government agents. And Kate Steinle yeah. was killed by a government agent's gun. I mean, they, they, they don't break out the stats. Have you ever seen the stats broken out of how many of the um, deaths they say they're going to prevent are committed by guns that won't would not go away even with total gun control. Do you ever? I never see it broken out like that. Well, for the most part, you, you see it from uh, from gun rights groups uh, because those guns obviously would would not have um, if they were in the hands of law abiding citizens, they wouldn't have done anything. And that's part of the problem with this. They don't want to take the guns from the guys who actually do it. They want to take guns from the people who are not about to do it. And that's all laws are, are going to affect are people like me and you who wouldn't think of, of going down and, and killing anybody to begin with. And the Those statistics are the only people that it will yeah. affect. The statistics, yeah, I always say that the the criminals and the government who do almost all of the killing as it is, all right. all of the unjustified killing are done simply by governments and criminals. Those are not the groups that would would have their guns taken away. And then when you no. look at the law-abiding citizens, the statistics about them, they prevent crime, they have fewer That's accidents, correct. they're more accurate, right. they don't get innocent bystanders killed at the same rate. It's They know who should be on their property and who shouldn't. It's just it, the statistics overwhelmingly say that is the safest gun-owning group. Sure it does. And, you know, there's one other school shooting that, that nobody really wants to talk too much about, but I remember back in my earlier days, I was in the military, in fact, at the time, a place called Kent State. And that was the uh, four State. dead at the hand of the military, right? That's correct. The National Guard went in there and, and killed those kids. But they don't talk about that. That's something that we just throw in the past because that's not, that's not the people we're after. We're after firearms. And the other thing is, they're going after um, they're going after AR-15s and AK-47s, etc. More people are killed every year in this country by strangulation, fists, feet, hammers, and I mean those individually, than there are with all the long rifles. Uh, with all long rifles, we're talking about four or five hundred people a year maximum that are killed with long guns, and that includes shotguns, bolt-action rifles, semi-automatic rifles, etc. And why is that the gun they're after then? Well, because it uh, it looks ugly. They think it, they, if you start talking about them, they start saying it's military-style weapons. See, I have a theory, and they Jerry. Started off with the, they started off with the, using the assault weapon. There's no such thing as an assault weapon. My hand is an assault weapon. Basically, my mouth is because you can verbally assault somebody. So anything you feeling. can use to assault somebody with is an assault weapon. There is no definition for assault weapon. That was brought up by the – that was uh, uh, int introduced by the gun prohibitionists because they said if they say it long enough, it will sound bad and people will get tired of it and it will be easier to ban the gun when they get to that point. See, I think – I think the agenda, I have to say, is slightly more sinister in that if you look at the what Susanna Gratia Hupp says about what the purpose of the Second Amendment is, it's to protect us from them. If you look at what they're after, they're after long guns. They're also after body armor. I would say they're only, only after the stuff that could actually prevent 
could actually provide resistance. I call it resistance-grade weaponry, whereas the handguns would just give them an excuse to mow you down. They don't care about that, and the handguns are the ones where crimes are committed. That's correct. That's where the majority of the, the guns are, where the majority of the homicides are committed. It's where the, who does most of the shootings, even the school shootings. Most of those have been done by handguns. I actually but, you're, wonder. You're totally right. I, I, you know, I really hadn't given that much thought to it as to, as far as uh, as it would give us a, it would give them an upper hand. But the thing of it is, in reality, there are 350, 400 million guns in this country. There is no way they're going to get them all. I don't care what they do; it will not happen. And people are not going to, you know, we're not going to, they can say, well, we ought to do like Australia did. Australia had a buyback. Well, I don't know how you have a buyback because the government never owned it to begin with. But uh, if we went down and turned our guns in, this would be a safe country. That's BS because the only people that would ever go down and turn their guns in are the people that weren't going to use them for bad purposes to begin with. Do you have any idea how many government-issued guns there are? That $350 million is all civilian? That's correct. But do, do you think that, um, you know, I'm just curious to know, of all the police forces, there's there's tens of thousands, if not, I think, hundreds of thousands or and millions, if you include service members uh, who have guns that we're not we're not even talking about getting. And many of those get stolen every year. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, sure, it doesn't solve sure. the problem. Even if they got all those guns, it wouldn't solve. The no, problem. no. Well, and the other thing is, if you if you go back and, and look at prohibition, you know, we had a prohibition against liquor. Did the drinking go down? No. It just made another market for somebody to go in and bootleg and still sell liquor. And the same thing would happen with firearms. All yeah. We could do and then we, actually it would create a market for stealing. That's correct. There would be a black market for firearms, and you would still be able to get just as many firearms as you can. I mean, they're talking about prohibiting people from buying firearms. There's a ton of people that are prohibited right now from buying firearms, but they still get them because they're prohibited from buying legally. They're not prohibited from stealing them if they don't get caught. They're not prohibited from stealing or buying them off the black market. And I will tell you that uh, the director of the GBI said two years ago on a, a television program on uh, Channel 46 that every year they confiscate somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,800 firearms from people who are prohibited from owning them just in the state of Georgia. Really? Yes, ma'am. Uh, I have a question for you. Okay. Well, I'll try to answer it. Okay. Do, uh, you don't have to answer if you're not comfortable, but I wonder what you think of the NRA. Are you 100% happy with them? <laughs> they certainly generate a lot of heat. Well, the NRA and Georgia Carey didn't get along for a long time. We, they were one of our biggest enemies when back in the 2008, 10, and 12 even. We finally uh, got peace with them in 2014, and part of it was because of the lobbyists they had. They got a new guy in here, and we sat down and talked and discussed that it was a whole lot better for us to work together than it was to fight each other because we could accomplish a whole lot more. But uh, for the most part, uh, we have our bill. If they want a bill, they, they have it. If they like our bill, they're more than welcome to support it. But most of the firearm bill that you're going to see going through here is going to be by, the, by Georgia Kerry. The NRA has wishy-washed on numerous occasions. They, and, in fact, they were not set up to be 
a Second Amendment group. They were set up as a rifle group to teach people how to shoot rifles and, and how to hit the targets because they looked back after the Civil War and realized that there were tons of bullets that were shot that never hit anybody and realized that, that the, the soldiers even were not getting proper training. So they started off training people shooting on how to shoot and how to do it efficiently. And then they got into the Second Amendment later. But if you go back and look in 1934, the, the uh, Gun Act of uh, 1934 that did away with uh, uh, machine guns, that was pushed by the NRA. An awful lot of the, the infringements that we have right now have been pushed by the NRA. Well, you'd they have to buy even... a lot more guns. If you, if you had one machine gun, you wouldn't have to buy so many other guns, maybe. Maybe that's why they want to get rid of them. I always wonder that with them. Like, they don't want magazines. Why? So then you have to carry a bunch of guns around that are loaded already. Well, the, uh, you, don't, you don't normally carry around a machine gun. I don't easily, know. But, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm a girl well, from New normal, York. I'm from Brooklyn. Normal. Come on. I don't know. <laughs> okay. That's right. Yeah. Oh, you, you moved out here to the free world. Exactly. Well, I thought so. <laughs> well, there's, like I said, they have, uh, they have gone after a lot of things. In fact, um, I would say about 15 years ago, they did not want guns on campuses. They didn't think that, that campuses were the place for firearms. Now they're pushing firearms on campus. Uh, they didn't want concealed carry. Now they're pushing concealed carry. You know, they, they, they are in reality, they're a big money-making lobbyist group as far as I'm concerned. If they, if they did their work down here in Georgia, if they were doing their work in 2005 and six and seven, there would not be a Georgia carry. That's very interesting. I, Jerry, I would love to pick your brain on all these subjects. <laughs> I'll have to have you back. And if you get Susanna Gratia up in town, let me know so I can tell people they will want to go listen to her. Anybody who listens to my show knows who she is. So, Oh, you, she's, she's a wonderful lady. Oh, she, really she is. is. I, she, doesn't, oh. she doesn't do as much as she used to. She doesn't travel as much as she used to. Uh, because she's uh, she's not as young as she used to be. Like none of us are. She's still a young lady, at least in my eyes, because and everybody's younger than I am, I think. But uh, she's uh, she doesn't do as much now. She has, um, in fact, uh, you know, we're into therapeutic writing, and so is she. Uh, oh yes have a yeah you have invited us because my son uh, has down syndrome and he does therapeutic writing um mm-hmm. well i've got to uh i've got a break jerry i absolutely loved talking to you thank you so much let's stay in touch and anybody who wants to do you have do you use twitter or if people want to contact you or ask you questions can you do a little well, twitter my, after the show uh yeah uh my email address is on on georgiacarry.org and, and people twitter can is- tweet at Georgia Carry, I noticed that. So there is somebody yeah, manning. Well, well, also, I uh, mine is uh, at gotyourback64, G-O-T-U-R-B-A-C-K-64. All right, we'll tweet that after the break. Thank you so much, Jerry, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Well, me too. I enjoyed it very much, and thank you for having me on. All right, and if anybody uh, wants to hear... That in its entirety, you can, we'll post the podcast in a few days at propagandareportdaily.com. And I have a couple of announcements after the break, so stay tuned. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's a man house! A man house! 
on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Showers and thunderstorms with a high of 73 forecast for Monday as the work week begins, but that could change. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. I want to thank my guest, Jerry Henry, which I didn't want to embarrass him, but he is related to my favorite founder, Patrick Henry. It was like star power. Wow. I know, I know. I just am overwhelmed. And he knows Susanna Grazia Hump. I don't even. I just, I'm overwhelmed. It's, it's too much. But I want to tell people that tomorrow, Alternative Baseball Organization has its opening day, 2 p.m., McEachern UMC Church Field on Macklin Road in Powder Springs, starring players with autism and other special needs, which is close to my heart. Maybe yours, too. Happy St. Patrick's Day. This is Monica Perez. Be back next week, 3 to 6 on Saturday.